We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Why, hello, and welcome to issue 632 of Geek in the City Radio. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, Aaron Duran. I'm one of your other hosts, Rita. And I'm your other, other host, Cable Hashtani. I'm really confused now. What, was I being, like, stupid again? No, no, it's, like, essentially, I'm still digging around while you're, like, hitting all of the buttons and going live. And what I don't realize until it's, you know, until it's over is everything was on. Like, I've got, like, my armpit in the camera. And as soon as I'm done digging around with my equipment, now you're ready to do Now, like, you were waiting on me. Was I not, wait, was I not supposed to go? I thought we were good to go. No, you're fine. You're fine. It's just like, I'm, I'm, I'm being really frustrated with my setup right now. And so I kept making adjustments after you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to start. I'm going to, I'm here we go. You know, you, you did everything right. I am just. I don't hear that very often anymore. I was just hyper fixated and, and, um, and thus I'm pretty sure I, like I said, I, had my armpit in the camera and you're waiting on me to officially start the show. Oh, I don't think he was actually waiting. He was just going. That's what made it funnier. Oh, that is funnier. <laughs> Wait, was I, should I have not gone? No, it's fine. Oh I, God. I just told you, you did everything right. You told okay. us it was time to start. You started the process of starting the show I made it weird. Okay. Yeah, you did. Okay. I'm, all right, I'm, I'm having one of those days, apparently, where I just assume I have done everything wrong in my life, and everyone hates me. That's, that's the brain space I'm in right now. Oh. Your brain is lying to you, Aaron. Eh. No. Denise is like, your, is your it? Bra- Dude, your brain is lying to you. Petting. Denise, your brain is lying to you. You're both having a day where your brain is lying to you. Everything is fine. Maybe. Maybe. Everything is fine. I mean, the equipment is being a pain in my ass today. Can can we at least agree on that? Sure. I'm sure it is. 
but the equipment is actually fine. It's upsetting <laughs> you. Everything is fine. No one out there listening or watching right now. They're like, everything's <laughs> fine. What's wrong with these people? And then they, they take a pause and go, unaware of us listening to the show for years. I know exactly what's wrong. I know exactly what's wrong with those jackasses. It's like I have written a doctoral thesis on what's wrong. With <laughs> I have defended a doctoral thesis on what's oh, wrong. Man, with people. I kind of want to read that. <laughs> I don't. Also, Cable, you kind of sounded like Bruce Campbell a little bit in Evil Dead 2. So I kept waiting for you to go, we've just cut up our girlfriend with a chainsaw. Does that sound fine? <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> I am trying my best to do my soothing voice that also does not sound sarcastic, which is difficult because all of my voices sound sarcastic. <laughs> But but also the soothing voice, a any uh, uh, the colloquial soothing voice sounds mm-hmm. um, patronizing. I I am also I also try not to sound patronizing, <laughs> even though I sound patronizing most of the time. It's either sarcasm, <laughs> you either get sarcasm or um, you're being patronized, which is different than being patronized. Very different. You want yeah. one, not the other. Yeah. Thanks, English. <laughs> the same, spelled the same, pronounced differently. The worst language. Mm-hmm. Good thing I decided to make a career fucking using it. Gross. Again, that's your brain. Your brain is lying to you, Aaron. Did I... Wait. What? It, your brain is being negative. It's pulling the negative aspects. We're oh, yeah, no, that is totally yeah. happening right now. Welcome to this week's session. <laughs> I know. Slowly but surely, this TV show, this this podcast is turning into, like, Cable just talking us off the ledge. Turning into? <laughs> I mean, that's fine. We've been let's, doing that for years. And scrap what we have. Just, Let's just scrap what we have planned today and let Cable just talk us off the ledge. That's mm. fine. We let me tell you what else I'm agitated about right now, Cable. Go right ahead. No, it's, fine. It, it's not just me talking you off the ledge. You've talked me off the ledge. You've talked me off the ledge. We've talked each other off ledges. That's what we do. Why are Hopefully... so many ledges? I think the real problem here is the ledges. The number of ledges in this situation too many ledges in life we need to stick to just rolling hills that's because capitalism demands ledges mm. Mm. and they are good to brood on that is also pretty that's pretty cool that's true um but you want to do that on buildings with gargoyles so you got something to lean on yeah like you never hear of like batman brooding on the grassy knoll <laughs> well and you i mean can't... He does, but Bruce Wayne broods on grassy knolls on in stately Wayne Manor because mm. there are no grassy knolls in Gotham City proper. Except mm-hmm. the Wayne graveyard, where that's where Bruce does his brooding. Yeah, isn't that like on his property? Isn't yeah. his parent- his, his Bruce brooding? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Brooding that's, Wayne. That's his that's his old timey white money thing. They like to bury their own in their backyard. Yep. <laughs> Broody Wayne. That's his that's his new name. Broody, Broody Wayne. Wayne. That's his lo- his long lost cousin. 
See, we were talking about Kevin Smith before the show, so my brain went to Brody. Now I'm like, now I'm imagining Jason <laughs> Lee as like a stoner version of Bruce Wayne. I, I'd watch that. Yeah, I would. Oh, Jason Lee! If only we hadn't lost him to Scientology. So is he fully gone? I don't know. I consider mm. all of those fuckheads that join Scientology at some level gone unless you know you're Leah Ramey and you make a movie about how crazy the batshit right. insane that was and you get out and she's still alive right they haven't killed her <laughs> yes she's still okay. alive but that like I'm sure that's in the works for them they're, they're gonna try I mean I feel like if they did it would be really bad for the Mission Impossible box office anyway I got, I got nothing to add to this. It's all right. Well, uh, intrepid listeners, we're going to dive into this February with a couple new things. Yeah. yeah. Brand um, new content. Uh, you can content? teach old pos- podcasters new tricks. <laughs> new new segments. But yeah, I do demand good. treats in, in return. Okay. Okay. Mm. You just have to catch them with your mouth, Denise. Just, ah. I'm not going to try to catch things with my mouth on camera. Mm-hmm. I do have limits, <laughs> and, it, and apparently, it, it, I only go up to armpit. <laughs> so we're so we're doing new things. <laughs> so the first is um, Denise has been wanting to do this, and we are finally making it a reality. And that is a Geek in the City deep dive into Avatar The Last Airbender, since we're the last people on the planet who've never who've watched the series. Right. <laughs> um, I've still only seen the same four episodes. Me too. <laughs> Wait, did you watch four? Because I only I thought we were doing the, the first three is the arc. No, it's the first four episodes. Well, shit. Also, I ran out of time, so... Yeah. That's fair. Um, there will be fine. then there will be spoilers. Yeah. Um, yeah Ironically, every... episode four is the one that grabs me the most so far, so I have more thoughts on that one. Oh, good. Well, um, I've watched episodes one through three multiple times, so you're the yeah, expert. Some of us can focus there, and then you can, you know, take us the rest of the way home. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Uh, and then the other thing we're going to do is we've been bandying this about for a while. And we're going to um, tackle doing some uh, reviews of romantic comedies. That's We're doing that for yeah. February, right? Yes, for the month yeah. of February. It's just the nerve merge. Mm-hmm. Um, in a segment that I believe we've we settled on the Romentary? I believe so, yes. Okay. Romentary. The Romentaries. But, you um, know, spell it funny. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise people are going to think we're talking about top, like ramen. No, that would be the ramen Terry. This is the Rom and Terry. Right. Yes. And also not to be confused with the oral history of Romulus, which would also be the Rom. No, that, no, that would be a Rom Terry. Rom Terry. Yes. Rom Terry. Right, and this is Rom. That that might be a Romumentary. Yeah. Subtitled of shoulder pads and cloaks. 
um, which folks may look at what we do and go, why are they talking about romance movies? And here's the reason. Um, this is the reason that makes sense in my head. Anyway. Not, not, not romance movies, generally speaking, but specifically rom-coms. Mm-hmm. Like, we are a pop culture podcast, and to ignore the fact that romantic comedies have a strong foothold and affect popular culture would be pretty arrogant to think that it's, <laughs> it's like no no it's just all nerd stuff i'm like nah, it's not pop culture is popular culture and i know i know nerds who love rom-coms mm-hmm. love you know disney uh or not disney um hallmark christmas rom-coms specifically everyone's everyone's got their niche you know there's a dude on TikTok that does nothing but make videos of himself playing a writer and an exec that pitches nothing but god awful uh, Hallmark rom coms. So, yeah, and he just he comes up with these pitch ideas and it's like, oh god, they're awful and yet so funny. It's like, so yeah, like, I would actually watch those. True story the past couple of weeks, I cannot get a small part of my brain to stop outlining a fucking like Hallmark rom-com Christmas movie script. Like there's a weird part of my brain that something grabbed it. And I was like, I I could bang out a Hallmark Christmas movie. Like it'd be weird, but you know, like say like a, the ghost, like a ghost of Christmas past tries to get, a young couple together because they're old feuding families and only the ghost knows that. I don't know. See? Yep. Yeah. Of course there would be a ghost in it. Well, yeah, there's gotta be a ghost it, in it. It's you. Of course yeah. there would be a ghost in it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I am played I by think... John Leguizamo. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you might have something, Aaron. I know. You might have to pitch it. You might have to write it. <laughs> sure. Why not? Anyway, that's Same. because we're doing rom-coms in February. Yeah. February. Speaking of romance, because uh, I just got this in the mail and I wanted to open it, is um, my new, uh, I'm in a tool of the month club for, for pottery. And, um, and these tools are meant to... Oh, my God. Why can't I camera... They line up. Oh, I see. That's so very two clever. different tool shapes, but they're they kiss. They're making out. Kissing tools. Yeah. Oh, cat. <clears throat> oh, that's the oh same place God. you got your bat, right? Yes. Yeah. Every month they give you, they send you something different, uh, and they're limited edition. And you know, whenever possible, they're seasonal. Sorry, really. Every time you guys do that, it freaks me out because it's like Cable just passed his cat to you. <laughs> I mean, just just to clarify, they are two different cats. They're similar. They're both, you know, medium length, splotchy Stripey. color cats. Mm-hmm. But they have very different little faces. Like Our numbers are going to skyrocket as soon as people realize there's cats on this show. <laughs> They are they are both Torbies. Torbies, that's what that's called. Mm-hmm. Tortoise shell and uh, tabby, mm. because they have the stripes of a tabby cat, 
but they have the coloration of a tortoise shell. That makes sense. I'm I'm surprised I didn't know that. Um... I didn't either until the first time I uh, no when I took to Manju to the vet that she has now and has had for uh, a decade. Um, they're like, "Oh, she's a torpy," and I'm like, "What the fuck is a torpy?" And they explained it, and I'm like, "Well, now I feel dumb because that should have that makes the portmanteau is right there." <laughs> you do love a good I, portmanteau too. I do. And so, a good so port. do I. I... <laughs> Sorry, I was going to get to you too. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I didn't say that in exasperation at you. I'm saying like, yeah, me too. And I also did not figure that out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She I'm she knows what. Time for the show. <laughs> Sorry, I realized yeah. I, I wanted a candle uh, burning while. While we record, and I had to reach over to get it. It's totally fine. Okay. It's the reaching episode. Yeah. Apparently. Oh, goddammit. But I forgot to trim. Carry on. Ignore. I don't understand what's going on with the chat today. I don't, I can't see the chat at all. Um, They're fairly quiet. They've either, you know, found something else to do while we're broadcasting. Or they're just like, oh, I'm. They're just going. Let's go see where this shit show goes today. This, they're just all over the map. Well, and I can all honestly, I can always tell when I forget to promote it a couple hours ahead. Because, mm. mm-hmm. like I said, I love our audience. They don't have the best attention. Do you mean the audience doesn't also keep this on their calendar like we do? I, <laughs> no, um, no, that's fine. I'm sure some people do. Yeah. Things I'm will sure. Show up. I, I'm sure they have a shared Google Calendar. That's right. <laughs> um, so the movie we're doing this week is The Lovebirds, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. She's giggling because I just made a reference to the movie. Yes. Oh, kids! That's the other reason that that they're not very chatty is because children! they're dealing That's with their problem. children. <laughs> That's also an interesting thing to have come up right now, Just, but we'll get to you that. You know, give them a pack of matches and go, go play. <laughs> Mommy's listening to her stories. <laughs> Honestly, it's fine. Matches are not even that flammable or effective <laughs> at putting other things on fire. Neither are children unless, you know. Firestarter, like, really, Usually. like, set up a false flag. <laughs> anyway, back to tonight's movie. Tonight's movie. <laughs> so this is a movie on Netflix for those who are interested. It is called The Lovebirds. When did it come out? Was it 2020? 2020. It, it was it was meant to be theatrical. Yes, that's um, right. I, I did know that. Yeah, and like it like COVID hit and they didn't even attempt to do a theatrical, so they went to look for a buyer and that and Netflix bought it. So is yeah. why I wouldn't pay. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, but yeah, it's so it's it's a Netflix only. I don't think it ever got a theatrical release. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, the stars of the movie are Issa Rae and Kamal Nanjiani. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised I got that one. Every time I say his name out loud, I screw it up. <laughs> I feel really dumb every time I do. It's like it it's pronounced just like it's spelled. Yeah. 
And this was kind of the year that he was doing, uh, he was just recently kind of off Lovesick that he wrote. No, uh, Lovesick is older than that, isn't it? I think that's 2018 or 2019. So, What's I mean, Lovesick? Uh, Lovesick's basically, it's based on him and his wife's life. She has medical issues. Uh, oh. Um, no, 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 she's no, fine. That's the, that's the big sick. Oh, the big sick, hmm. not Lovesick. I'm sorry. The, the big sick is what he did. Which is 2017, uh, so he's oh. he's had a break. All right. Um, yeah, because he... it's the same director on this one. Oh. Uh, yes, that's right. Um, I feel like there's one other movie that's like totally in our wheelhouse that this guy also did. Well, he uh, did. The Eternals? Not Kumail, <laughs> the director. Oh, the director. Uh, the director is Michael Showalter. Showalter. Oh, I know that name. Right. Mm-hmm. Wet yeah. Hot American Summer, yep. which is, I don't know, maybe that's not in all of our wheelhouses, but it's Nobody a popular else one at my house. He used to also write for the state. That's where mm. I come from. Mm-hmm. And I have tried White Hot American Summer so many times that everyone tells me that I would love it. I don't get, I don't get it, like, at all. Mm. Yeah, you do. Well, apparently he also it's does very... Search Party, which is has been on my radar for like ages. It's like it's, it's I think he just wanted to do its fifth season, so obviously I'm dragging my feet. <laughs> oh, and uh, they, he did. They came together, which is an it is almost like a um, a satire. It is almost a satire of rom com. Oh, okay. We, That's we cool. can talk about that later. Again yeah. tonight, <laughs> we're talking right. about. The Lovebirds. Um, do we want to give a quick premise? I mean, yeah, we can. I mean, it's 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 pretty basic. I mean, this this movie kind of follows a lot of the the path of a lot of rom coms that came before it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the the dark, like I don't want to say dark as in like mean, but it's kind of like a like the twisted rom com. And that when we first meet the characters, we meet them when they're falling in love, that initial period where everything is sunshine and rainbows. And then it cuts to, I think, is it two years later? Four like, years. Four years later, where they're they're basically deciding that, they're, that their marriage is done. Like, in the car, they're like, we're done. Like, this is not mm-hmm. working. Um, Relationship. They're not married. That mm-hmm. is a sticking point. Oh, yes. Oops. I forgot. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get... <laughs> yeah, they... They get wrapped up in what they think is a cop trying to stop a criminal, but clearly not a cop trying to stop a criminal as he yep. runs a person over, over, and over, and over. Uh, and then they and hijinks are... ensue. Yes. They are like simultaneously running from the cops and these criminals, and they essentially think that they can fix it all on their own. And thus get out of this like sticky situation. And um, some people might already know this. Uh, it just depends on like, you know, what movies you watch. Uh, it helps that I watched this semi recently um, and then realized, oh, I have already seen this. It is another movie with Tina Fey and Stephen Carell called Date Night. Yeah. Which is. A married couple with kids, they're basically just always tired, like too tired to have date night where they go to the same place every week, 
eat the same thing and basically just talk about their kids. And the reason I, I thought it was like really interesting, um, the, the, the similarities to this movie are, they're almost the same story <laughs> in terms of like couple with a problem they accidentally get involved into some like criminal underworld shits uh, and they decide that, that they can handle it on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But it's also, different... <laughs> it's also a similar plot to the movie called game night, which stars Jason, uh, Rachel McAdams and Jason Bateman. Same I thing. I've, I think I've yeah. seen that too. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's a pretty similar uh, formula. doesn't mean it doesn't work. That's probably why it's a similar formula. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, like, like Cable was saying, it is a new style of rom-com, mm-hmm. sort of, you know, in yeah. that, like, we're not, it's not the, the drawn out, will they, won't they, it's, they did, and now what? Um, until the criminal underworld brings them back together again, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> Which is usually people, what it's designed to do. Right. <laughs> Spice up your life. Um mm-hmm. But what's interesting is, so, like, Date Night being, like, the most, like, almost, you know, not, not not maybe not scene for scene, but, like, act by act is kind of the same. Uh, but that's two middle-aged white folks with a very, like, mundane suburban life. <laughs> and this is essentially two single millennials who are not married, um, but are still sort of, you know, achieved that, achieved, that's not the right word. Um, they've reached... This this sort of downward slope in their relationship where they're like, oh, are we in trouble? What do we do? <laughs> right. But again, it's like millennials. They're younger. They're both people of color. Um, and the, that, that, of course, being like one of the key reasons that we wanted to use this movie is because it's not just two white people. That is per yeah. I started going through a list of the 200 best romantic comedies uh, compiled by Rotten Tomatoes. And I'm like, white people, white people, white people, white people, white people, white people. <laughs> like, okay. And like, this was, I think, one of the first ones where I'm like, oh, look at that. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, is this a, a li- was this list like all time or modern or? Yes, it was all time because there are a bunch of, um, rom-coms from like the 50s and 60s and 70s yeah 40s as well i think i think there's uh, i think there's a marilyn monroe picture on there uh romantic comedies from the early days of cinema are real problematic y'all <laughs> well that could be said for almost every movie from the early cinematic era mm-hmm. that is true that yeah is very true yeah um yeah, that, that's a whole other thing to jump. Yeah, we could do days and days on. I feel like, um, but I think it is important that that the, the the two leads are not white people because that that's part of their reasoning of why they should solve this on their own as opposed to going to the police because they're like, we're not going to the police. The police are just going to shoot us, right? Well, I think um, uh, Kumal's uh, Kumai's character. Um, Kumali, he suggests it first, mm-hmm. and Ilsa Ray has that great moment where she just, where she like does this. She's like, "This is me covering my body camera so I can beat the shit out of you." <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so yeah, that gets addressed really quickly, which 
brings me actually to what I think is the strongest point, strongest part of this yeah, of the entire movie are the two leads. Oh, yeah. Um, their oh. comedic timing and their chemistry of bouncing off each other is so good that I don't personally think this movie would have worked as well if they weren't the leads. No. Yeah, I, they, I agree. They Sorry, do have great chemistry. No, no, it's the same thing. I'm gonna go, no, yeah, they, they have really good chemistry. Both of them have uh, really good comedic timing, but they're not the same style of comics. Mm-hmm. But they but they play well off of one another. So, mm-hmm. um, so when people are when when if you if you Google you know uh, the Lovebirds versus Date Night, one of the one of the uh, comparisons is the Lovebirds. You know, like Date Night, but funny. Just... Right. <laughs> Which is a little mean, I suppose. Date Night Ooh. isn't unfunny. It's just. It's just a little trite, I think. Yeah. Which is part of... We talk about um, like fantasy, sci-fi, and superhero movies, and we talk about the fact that they are... they Especially with superhero movies, there's a formula that you follow. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with romantic comedies, mm-hmm. which means, at best, sometimes they're going to be trite. That's true. Um, It's all about finding. I think that's what saves most romantic comedies is. Do you want to watch the two people on screen together banter and um, fight and make out and, and fall in love and go crazy? Do you want to watch the two of them do that? Because that's what you're in for. Because the rest of the story, you're going to go, yeah, I know how this plays out. Um, I think the most surprising thing to me in all of the lovebirds was the fact that the cops were not bumbling idiots and Mm -hmm. at no point considered these two people criminals. They considered them to be witnesses to the crime because they had footage of the other person killing the biker. Right. And taking their car. It's like, oh, okay. So the cops actually did their job and that's why they're not, looking at these people as criminals they like they wanted to help them yeah like yeah that was refreshing yeah that's a good point i hadn't really thought about that because that uh, when when they do actually finally like interact with the cops they're like mm-hmm. it's just so like matter of fact that i mm-hmm. didn't really read into it that way and i i think that it's also important that the lead detective on the uh on the on that particular case was also a black woman. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, that, do not walk across the keyboard, cat. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> yep. Oops. <laughs> Oops. I'm still cat. here. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, there's, like, for me, story wise, there's not a whole lot to delve into because it is it is pretty basic. It just goes from one crazy set piece to another, which mm-hmm. I'm totally fine with. It's basically the amazing race, but people get murdered, um, <laughs> which, okay. which is the whole point. Yeah, that's a good pitch. I'd watch that movie. I did watch that movie. Mm-hmm. You, um, you did. That's exactly <laughs> what this this movie was. It was the amazing um, race. Only you know the villain. Killed. The villain is kind of great. You know the whole line of like, it makes you know I. It's nothing personal. You both seem like actually a really nice couple, and I will feel bad for killing you. 
makes me feel better. I will also get over that quickly. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. uh, that guy's a really good actor. I I know him in, like initially and like most clearly in my mind uh, from Boardwalk Empire. He plays mm, right. uh, he plays Steve Buscemi's brother, um, and he's, he's a really good like character actor. Uh, he's done a bunch of other stuff that I'm not going to think of right now because my brain is bad, but. Every time he's in something, I like he's like he's really distinct looking, and yet every time it takes me a while to be like, oh, it's the guy because he's <laughs> like, he really sort of like blends in as as his character, right? So he's he was a really good choice too, and he's also funnier than you expect, you know, given <laughs> what like your initial knowing of him being Boardwalk Empire, right? Hmm. Not not exactly a humorous show. Yeah, I mean, yeah. sometimes those actors will, like, they want to do something different so bad. So when they do do, like, a comedy, like, it really stands out because they're good at it. On the mm-hmm. flip side, it was, like, the first time Robin Williams played someone who was evil. Like, the first time, he, I think it was One Hour Photo. And he's mm-hmm. terrifying in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because One Hour Photo came out before Insomnia. Yes. Yeah, I believe so. Where he was also the villain. Yeah. Um, the Lovebirds does do something that I am such a fan of, uh, but I know it, it is not like everyone's jam. I love it when characters have an almost pointless conversation about a topic in the beginning, and then it becomes like the peak the scene. The running gag. Mm-hmm. I love the, you have to plan an orgy. Orgies don't just happen. <laughs> and then it turns into, and they're like, that, that's how you get eyes wide shut. And then they just drop it until like 80 minutes later where they're literally in an eyes wide shut. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. They yeah. have a shared Google calendar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's stuff like that that I, I mean, that's what kind of helps keep this one going for me. Um. I mean, I definitely recommend it if you want something a little different. Like, if you want that rom-com chill evening, mm-hmm. but you also like Without- a little bit of, like, really intense, almost cartoonish violence. <laughs> no, for sure. That, that, that This is definitely, like, the, the type of rom-com that I am not embarrassed to admit that I enjoy. Right. And that's a short list. So. Yes. Yeah. And so to peel back the curtain a bit, what what do you look for in romantic comedies? Um, well, I don't is the thing. Like, I do not seek out romantic comedies. When I was young, I used to really uh, enjoy um, While You Were Sleeping. Mm. But, like... That's one I've never seen. Um, I couldn't even say what it is that I enjoyed about it so much. But, like, retrospectively, it's... It's kind of weird and also sad. And then, I don't know. I, I, I feel bad for the main character. And then, like, I don't, I don't want to give anything away for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's like 35 years old. But that movie's been out 30 years. <laughs> You're fine. Um, Sandy did that when she was in her 20s. <laughs> uh, um, when I When I think, when I see that movie now, I'm like, Really low bar, honey. Really low bar. And and that guy was all wrong for you. You really only liked the... You were in love with the idea of him. And you were in love with the guy you didn't even really know. 
and that's how you got into all this shenanery. And then in the end, you ended up with his brother. I'm like, it's. I don't. I, I could not really explain what it is that I liked about it. But hmm. once I got older, I just like I really. I don't know. Maybe I identified that there are a lot of tropes and there is a formula that's been in play for a really long time. Even stuff that is, in my opinion, a little bit more charming, like you've got mail. I thought that was like a very charming um, (laughs) romantic comedy and uh, casting goes a long way there. That was the formula for the longest time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was you put Meg Ryan in with a strong male lead and you have a, you have a movie. Mm-hmm. Whether that was Billy Crystal, whether that was Tom Hanks, um, whether that was Kevin Klein, that that was yeah. your formula. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that and was from Paris with Love or something like that. Yeah, and it gets old fast. So I think, I think that that like, I guess by the time I was old enough to like start making my own critical choices on on film preferences, I was like, this is not a genre for me. There's nothing there like no there's like no molds are being broken here. And mm-hmm. and usually the male lead is not all of the things you hated about him before are still there. He's still that dude. You've just changed your mind about how you feel about him. They're always mm-hmm. kind of a shithead. I, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why to take a closer look at this, because this for Americans, this is how we gauge, not gauge. This is what starts helping us define what we look for in romance in our personal lives. And, you know, I, I think people who've been in relationships and marriages and whatever for longer periods of time look at romantic comedies and go, this is all bullshit. Oh, why do I think that? Because I've lived and been in a relationship long enough that this this is what they keep selling us but it's not true that's never how it works in real life mm -hmm. and it's why when you see things like um like with uh kamel and isa their characters in the lovebirds having this argument that's like oh yeah this is an argument that people have been to get who've lived together for four years have Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. They because they argue about the dumbest shit, right? To avoid arguing about the thing that they're actually upset about, right? And I I think that the like the 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 story is is served really really well by the fact that they do in fact open with the beginning of that relationship because that that form the formation of their their coming together is was also very like realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, they met at a party, had a one-nighter. Turns out they actually have a really good vibe together. So they, they decide to keep going from there. Mm-hmm. Um, in my opinion, that's like a very, a realistic and modern way that people get together uh, romantically. Um, and that's not something that used to be like ever portrayed yeah. in a romantic comedy. Usually, like, the big kiss is the climactic moment in the in the arc. And then, you know, like, the next scene is the wedding. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> another movie that I really uh, enjoy that is as technically a rom-com is a um who's the big guy who always plays dumb um and he was on how i met your mother uh seagal oh yeah yeah yeah. jason siegel jason siegel thank you um the five-year engagement that's another one of those movies where uh, they're already together when the movie starts i think they talk about how they get together but in real time they are already a couple and and then they get engaged and then life keeps happening to them. And next thing you know, uh, this is not technically a spoiler because, again, it's so, sort of formulaic to a to a degree. Um, they they maybe aren't going to get married. Like they're like too many obstacles uh, are being thrown in the way in the way and preventing them from getting married. And it like donks up the relationship. Mm-hmm. And that movie has some like. Has a real downturn, <laughs> which, again, I do always enjoy. I, I like, like devastate me, uh, please. Um, <laughs> I know that like other people might not enjoy feeling watching that movie because it makes them feel bad. Um, I I think that gets into. There's a lot of. This is why people watch movies and television shows is to feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's controlled. It's a way to control when they get to feel something. That's, I, I don't know. I, that's probably what it is for me. Um, but like, I know that other, some people are like, I don't like to see movies with, um, like with a, with a big, with a hard breakup or like, Oh, like there's infidelity. Cause it, it makes them upset. It makes them, I don't know. Maybe it's a little too close to home or, or just something that they have a lot of anxiety about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, even if I relate to certain negative elements of a depressing film, I, I'm still here for it. (laughs) Right. Cool. I don't know. (laughs) I know. I just kind of left that hanging. Yeah, that's all right. Um, I one last thing I do want to say about the movie is I appreciate that uh, Issa Rae and uh, Camille Nanjiani is are both executive producers on the movie. Oh, yeah. I don't think I caught that. Yeah, that usually uh, means they get some character input and whatnot yep. too, which probably helped a lot. I was looking up her a uh, uh, Issa Rae's. IMDb because I'm like I've never seen her in anything I'm looking at it's like oh that's because she's not been in a lot she writes and produces a lot yeah Mm -hmm. yeah she is foremost a writer yeah um she's got great comic timing so it's like oh okay that's that's why it was good she may have started writing this like if she had a hand in writing the movie I don't know if she did I should have double checked but I could see where she would have gone I think I actually want to play this character. Right. Um, I don't know if she did or not. It might be also one of those things where maybe she did some, but because of like certain writer and actor guilds, she mm. has to stay off the, the official credits kind of right. stuff. That happens every once in a while. Maybe. That is true. Yeah. Uh, she started out. Um, so I, I read her book not too long ago, Misadventures of, of an Awkward Black Girl. 
And like as a kid, she she wanted to be a writer, and she I guess like got her break doing a YouTube series called Awkward Black Girl. Um, I discovered her through the, her HBO show Insecure, mm-hmm. which is which, a great show. Yeah, even though I'm like well outside of that age range now, I I found it to be like very like relatable and and believable, um, and I'll. I'll watch anything that she's in, even if I think it's something terrible. <laughs> even if I think it might be terrible, but I don't, that, that's yet to happen. So, uh, Steve asked, "How do we feel about Judd Apatow approaches to the genre?" Yeah, so I just pulled up a, his his credits here. Uh, he's usually the producer on stuff, right? Uh, well, I think he directs and writes too. He does a lot. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Well, we can. Uh, he's got yeah. He's a writer, director, producer. He's kind of does everything. So yeah, he has the most credits as a producer. If I'm mm-hmm. looking at this correctly. Yeah. But um, untitled, untitled. Oh, he did the King of Staten Island. That was a fun mm-hmm. one. Um, not not a rom com necessarily, but I think probably his like most well known uh, rom com is probably the Forty Year Old Virgin. That or Knocked Up. Oh, okay, yeah, he did do that, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, when Forty Year Old Virgin came out, I thought it was pretty fucking hilarious. I haven't seen it in a really long time, and part of me does want to revisit that story, but part of me also thinks it's probably pretty cringy in a certain a couple places huh i actually have never seen it um just, i feel like if you've never seen it you definitely should yeah i just it's just one of those ones i never got around to it and i don't know why something about it just doesn't appeal to me i um, i don't know that i i've seen it and i remember seeing it back in the day and i also I I don't know that I agree with your statement, Denise. I don't which, know that which... you do need. I don't know that you do need to see it, mm. Aaron. Oh, oh, okay. Um, um, I mean, I I remember enjoying it too, but I also can think back and I'm like, all of the things that are memorable to me are things that I would go, nope, this is not funny. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, uh, there are a lot of things that I look back on now and I'm like those were not funny things and my i also know where i was headspace wise around that time so also not great mm. yeah but like not funny or like problematic because that's the thing that i'm like in the back of my brain i'm like if i watch it again am i gonna find a bunch of red flags uh, it shits all over um, modern nerd culture uh, that is one of the biggest things. Like he's huh. made fun of for collecting toys. Mm. Which, oh yeah, because then, because yeah, you could yeah. argue as Judd Apatow also kind of poking fun at himself. But I could, but I don't know Judd Apatow, so I'm not going to. <laughs> All right. Does he like, collect toys? I don't. No, know. he's a colossal nerd, though. Mm. Yeah, so and know. and I understand that that is part of the. The appeal is you are supposed to in, take all these quirks, and that's what makes this character funny. But that's also down the same road of the Big Bang Theory, right? 
another one that uh, is on his list is forgetting Sarah Marshall. Um, that one I also find uh, pretty funny, even though there are parts of it that I hate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, so clearly, that those are my feelings on Judd Apatow movies. As uh, I, I have, I have at least found them funny once at some point, uh, but there are problems. Mm-hmm. And I'm also realized that I don't watch a lot of Judd Apatow stuff. Weirdly, yeah. I, I think I have if I if I keep kind of looking through this list, but because it's got like comedic actors that I enjoy in other stuff, it's hmm. it's it's never like ooh the the new Judd Apatow is out. Let me get on that. It's it's oh Jason Siegel, he's in that show I liked. Um, <laughs> you know um, Steve Carell. I. You know, the, the Office. Woo! Let's let's check that out. Yeah, I hate The Office. I hate it so much. <laughs> I I recognize how smart it is and how well produced it is, and I, like I, every single actor on there, it's like they're fantastic at their craft. I just I worked in an office, and the first time I had friends go watch this, I watched four episodes and said, "I don't need to watch where I work. Fuck this." <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, it's it, it's funny. I'm like, this isn't funny. I work with these people, and I want to kill them. <laughs> yeah, I watched very few episodes and never never went back. Like, I can watch clips, and they're hilarious because right. then I have yeah. no context, and it's like this is this is great. Like Rain William, uh, Rain Wilson is a fucking genius. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I, I respect all of the components. I just cannot watch it as a whole show. It's like, mm, 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 mm. right? Yeah, I'm looking at his stuff. I'm like, yeah, okay. Um, I think the only thing when he was, but he was an EP on it was Freaks and Geeks, which was just a wonderful show. Uh, that explains the connection with um, James Franco and uh, yeah, Jason Siegel. Yeah, totally. Because that's was Jason Siegel in that thing. Jason Siegel, yeah, yeah, and Seth Rogen, right? Yep, yep, and Linda Cardinelli. Like that was like if the two thousands was ever going to have their version of the Brat Pack, they were all that was Freaks them. and Geeks. That was them. Mm. Yeah, I've never seen Freaks and Geeks, and I, they all came from that. Yeah, it was a. Yeah, really I never good saw show. it either. Um, Judd Apatow like, ostensibly also gave us a Paul Rudd, so kind of. Paul Rudd's been around for forever, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Paul he, Rudd. Paul Rudd has given us Paul Rudd. <laughs> Clueless gave us Paul Rudd. Yeah, I was gonna say Clueless was where I really first remember who him. He, who is he in Clueless? Oh my god! He's he's the hunky older boy that Cher falls in love with. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't watched. Uh, in a dog's age. I have to see this. <laughs> I don't think Clueless. Oh, oh, the, the stepbrother. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, you don't think so? I don't know. Maybe it does. Since it is based off of what is the it's a, based on an Austin novel. Uh, I don't remember that one, but I yeah. think it's based on Pride and Prejudice. I don't know. Maybe 
It is based on a. <laughs> it, it is based on an Austin novel. I do know that. Yeah. I if you so. start typing in Jane Austen, because I was going to like get her oeuvre at. Before you even finish typing Jane Austen, you get Jane Austen clueless. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, just like 10 Things I Hate About You is Taming of the Shrew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I like how they didn't try to hide that one. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And then <laughs> but, there was oh, that... the dancing movie. Wasn't it about dancing? No, I just had the girl who did the dancing movie. But mm-hmm. the O oh, for Othello. And it was about dancing. There were a lot of movies in the 90s that focused on remaking classics, like mm-hmm. either classic novels or classic um, theater as modern takes, you know, hence mm-hmm. Clueless and, and 10 Things I Hate About You. And there's a whole list. I just don't know it off the top of my head. Right. And all of them also would fall into the rom-com category. Like Clueless is at its heart a rom com. Um, yes. Same with Ten Things I Hate About You. Definitely. Still, also one, are, of, one of my favorite rom coms, which I mm-hmm. think are technically their own category. That's true. That's true. Category is teen rom coms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I gained access to a new season of RuPaul's Drag Race, and uh, yeah, I just got all of those audio blurbs in the brain. <laughs> well, should we, should we slide on over maybe to, to Avatar? I, I think so. I, yeah. I think that, that makes for a good installment of our first yeah. commentary. Nice. Are we still, um, are we still collecting titles from people for this or do we have a list padded out if, yet? If people want to uh, throw ideas at us, feel free. We may or may not take your uh, <laughs> your suggestions. <laughs> Probably not any of the ones we already talked about, uh, since most of we mostly already have opinions about those. There is one that I feel like uh, I need to watch, whether we review it or not, and that is uh, fin- um, "Always Be My Maybe." That one's cute. That's yeah. I didn't know you hadn't seen it yet. No, because I'm a bad Asian, and I really wait on a lot of these non-superhero Asian-led movies. If it's a superhero movie, yeah, sure. Like, I'm, I'm there day one, as <laughs> you can both attest. Uh, I, Palm Springs is another, and it's very recent, that falls into rom-com. Palm Springs? Uh, Palm Springs, yeah. Uh, I didn't watch it for a long time. Because, not that I don't like Adam Sandberg, but it's like... Everyone kept saying how much of this film was like, it was like this genius film. I don't know why. It just did this mix in my head of like, you know, that makes me not want to see it for some reason. And then I finally saw it and I was like, oh, it's really good. It's um, a much more timey-wimey take on Groundhog Day. Oh, this one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it also has Superman in it. Yes, it does. Superman ah! and... and uh, um. Veronica. Yes. And J. Jonah Jameson. And J. Jonah Jameson. And the mother from How I Met Your Mother. Yep. Mm -hmm. I was just noticing that too. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, that's a, that's a romantic comedy television show that I'm, I will admit to the fact that I enjoy it thoroughly, even though it's very, very 
problematic. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's it's a TV show about all white people. It's like most TV shows. <laughs> but you know, for for what it's worth, I also really enjoyed that show. Yeah. I will always give credit to the the showrunner, the creator of that show. How he initially, while he actually wanted to end that show, he wrote it. He knew they were never. He didn't even try to pitch it past the audience. He's like, I wrote it because I had to write it, but I knew they were never going to do it. Like when the show was over, um, the camera was, and you know the the person was going to say, um, and that's how I met your mother. Um. And then the camera's going to keep panning and panning and panning until you realize that this is a guy trying to keep his family there entertained as the world ends outside. Mm. Yep, I had heard <laughs> it was, that. He's like, I was going to pull back and it was going to be an apocalyptic scene. Mm-hmm. Was like, and boom, that's where we end it. That, that was real, that he really wanted to do that. He really wanted to yes, do that, yeah. that was real. I had heard that, but I thought it was a joke. No, no, he was serious. He's like, they're never going to let me do it. He says, but if they would have, I'd have done that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, moving on to Avatar. Yep. Yes. All um, right. So I, I believe this is our third attempt. Take three. Or, well, no, I think in terms of actually getting to talk about it on air, this is only our second attempt. Right. Yeah, did but... we... yeah I didn't even remember ever trying to do that this before really yeah no there was there was one time that we were gonna do it i know i watched them i don't remember if if anyone else did but uh but then we never actually got to talk about it and then we fucked off uh and then the second time cable you and i watched i think aaron maybe you didn't get to it and then we talked about it and then we fucked off yep right but for reals this time our 2022 show it's Avatar The Last Airbender. That's mm-hmm. right. Insert, I, insert fanfare here. And before we get back to the show and jump on into Avatar The Last Airbender, this is a perfect time to talk about our sponsors. Of course, Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. They have been with us since the very beginning, and I love that our partnership uh, between show and store continues to grow. Um, with things kind of getting sumo-normal-ish, um, they do have in-store events again. You can find that out at uh, facebook.com forward slash GG Portland uh, or just type in Guardian Games in the Facebook app, whatever. Uh, but I'll give a quick recap. Uh, let's see. Um, Thursday is the Flesh and Blood Brits. Friday is a Magic Draft at 6.30. Uh, two, sorry about that. Friday, Magic Draft at 6.30 and then Magic the Gathering Modern at 7.00. And then on Sundays is Pokemon Open Play. So it'd be kind of cool. And you'll see their new layout that is really designed to give really good, solid space for in-store gaming events. And I, for one, am excited to get back in the store and play my games with some of my friends at my favorite game store, Guardian Games, 345 Southeast Taylor Street in Portland, Oregon. And when you're there, thank them for sponsoring Geek in the City Radio, just like our sponsor, Bridge City Comics. 3725 North Mississippi Avenue. Uh, Bird City Comics has been consistently voted the PDX parents' picks for comic book shops. And guess what? They are in the running again. Go on over to um, facebook.com forward slash Bridge City Comics. And you can see how you can place your vote to yet again 
and once again, rightly, make a, a pick Bridge City Comics as the PDX parent pick pa, 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 for, for 2022. So please check it out. And uh, while you're there, don't forget to, um, you know, put in your reservation for Season of the Bruja issue one. Um, actually, I think because this is how comics work, you can also now put in your reservation for uh, issue two. Um and in fact, just to highlight how weird comics are, you won't even get issue one before they're going to ask you to pre-order issue three. Um, trust me, if publishers had it a different way, they would, but would don't. So yes, those pre-orders really do make or break a title. And now I feel like I'm just ranting about myself in a commercial for Bridge City Comics. So check them out. Also find them online at bridgecitycomics.com. I do like... Um... I believe that's that's Kevin. I still don't know everyone's handle on Twitch. Um, I like his pitch for what's our angle. Yeah. Yeah. That might work. We'll see. Keep, keep them coming, kids. <laughs> so get get bent. There's a there are a couple of things that I want to so I'd like dumb. to start off with now okay. that we're really doing avatar is I still don't know how I feel about this whole concept of um, like I I remember when the live action movie by Shyamalan came out and everyone was upset about talking about whitewash casting and this and that and it's not right and that's part of the new casting for the, the Netflix television series where it's predominantly all Asian casting of, of which the creators are no longer involved in. True. Yeah, um, weird. Here's the thing. I, this isn't earth. So there are no Asians. Right. I think what people had upset though, is that avatar, the last bender, jeez. The Last Bender. Now my brain is mixing Avatar and Futurama together. It's really goofy. Um, the the world of Avatar: The Last Airbender. I also think intentionally doesn't have a lot of uh, European mythical tropes or elements in it. Nope. And I think that meant by default to cast people that clearly have European ancestry was kind of a slap in the face. I think that's where it came from, which mm-hmm. I get. Um, and like no one in Avatar, at, at least as drawn and how we look at humans, none of them are presenting as, you know, Western European features. Sure. So I think that's what got people like, really M night, like you did that. So that that's kind of where I I think it happened, but I, I I get I get it. Like I just it's what what do you want? God, cats. You'll never know. No, she will talk at me all day long, and I will still not know. Um, and this starts to get into things like my feelings on star Wars and, and other things where it's like, Oh yeah, it's great. They're, they're doing this. Um, 
like I love uh, Chirrut and uh, Bay's Malbus from what's that one? Rogue One. Rogue One. Yeah. And you know, I I love what's going on in Book of Boba Fett, and you know, we jokingly call that two old Asians. Um, <laughs> but the characters themselves, they're not Asian. <laughs> Because there is no Asia. Yeah, there's there's, there's no Earth. They're, they're, they're ostensibly they're human, but they're not Earth humans mm-hmm. right. from our Earth continents. Nope. And, and so that that's the that is the the stepping stone I always have a hard time with when I'm dealing with fantasy. Um, I have the same problem with board games. Every time you set a board game in Japan. And it's made by a white person that annoys me. But if you have take Legends of the Five Rings, who's clearly based off of the samurai period, but it has nothing to do. It it's not set in Japan because there is no Japan. Sure, it's some mythical country called Rokugan, and it's on a different planet. It's like, well, okay, fine. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. And and that that's always been one of my hangups with Avatar The Last Airbender. It's like, I, I get it. You're you're doing Planet of the Asians, except they're not Asians. So I, I don't know quite what this show was trying to do in the first place. Right. Okay. That's, that's, it's a good caveat to to outline. I I kind of I want people to know at least where I'm coming from when we're trying to review this show and why I have never made it past the first four episodes every time I've watched it because I've gone, yeah, this is not for me. Mm. I I think the big st- the biggest hurdle for me is that it is it is very much a children's show. And the the dynamic of the characters interacting with each other is okay, great. Like, you know, older brother and little sister are always fighting. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't want that in my real life. I, that's not enter- that's, <laughs> right. that's not entertainment to me. Um. So, so there's there's that is like knowing that I have to like get past that component uh, in order to get to the parts that are supposed to be, you know, like the good, the good storytelling, the meat of this of this franchise, in essence. Um, that's that's my big. I, I think that's made most evident in the first three episodes. It's like, oh, yeah, this is a good show. The first two are really hard to get through. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's why, like, for me, it doesn't really pick up until episode four. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I can't believe I didn't get to when four. We start, well, it's when we start to really get into the larger scope of the world and what's happening. And the mytho- I feel like the mythology building really starts in episode four. Um. And you also start to sense that, yeah, it's a kid show, but there's going to be, um, there's going to be like cause and effect and repercussions of things that happen, like in one episode, may pay off episodes later. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you definitely get that in episode four. Um, especially, I think you get the first kind of character growth in episode four also. Um, you kind of have the brother's attitude towards women um, kind of get thrown on its ass when he runs into the, the warriors of uh, Kiyoshi. Literally. Hmm? <laughs> literally. Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. To the point to where there's this, and whatever, spoilers. Um, there's a part where, like, someone mistakes him for a girl. Mm-hmm. And normally that would infuriate him because, yeah, a girl's weak, men better at everything. And he has this line, he's like, well, I'm not a. And he actually stops us, you know what? Never mind. It doesn't matter. And then he just gets back to fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Don't... when you start to realize that the show is going to do, do more than just be a kind of fantasy martial arts kids show, you know. Well, and let's talk. Let, we're so the characters that we're following are Ang, who is the last Airbender, a little bald kid with the arrow on his head, mm-hmm. and then Soka and Katara, who are brother and sister from the South Pole of the planet. That they're on? I believe so, because the... Yeah. And they got to get to the North Pole. Mm-hmm. So she because can start her... Yeah. Yeah. Right? Uh, Soka has the, a talent for water bending. Right. Um, bending the four elements is a thing on this planet. Uh, the And most people only have one. That's, they, they only are only able to manipulate one element right except for the avatar who can manipulate all four and the avatar is being that reincarnates over and over and over and helps maintain the peace on the planet and so far what we've gathered from ang is ang is a little kid that likes having fun and running away from responsibility and that's why he went missing and froze himself into an iceberg a hundred years before the story started um, which then led to a war that has been waged for as long as a lot of people have been alive and wiped out all of the people who were airbenders. Right. Yeah. So the, the, the world that he's reawakened in and he's reawakened accidentally um, is uh, the bent element. Um Oh yeah, we got to go over all of these before we before we. Oh yeah, today. definitely. <laughs> um, like he, the world that he's been brought back into is completely out, out of balance because there are only three elements represented, three of the four, and like the village that Katara and Soka are from are completely adult, uh, devoid of adult men because they went off to war and are all presumably dead. Yeah. From the sounds of it. Yeah. Um, but um, no, that was, that was it. That was kind of where I was at with the, yeah, there are going to be spoilers. If you haven't seen this, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Like it's coming yeah, no, up guys, being 20 years old. We haven't seen it. I haven't seen it because I'm way out of the demographic for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the same reason why I hadn't watched it either. So, mm-hmm. um, but I will say, like, again, once I got to episode four, I think this will be easier for me. Because in full disclosure, I do believe this is the third time I've tried to watch this show. Mm-hmm. Not just for review purposes, but because people 
whose opinion I tend to respect in terms of story are like, it's amazing. Aaron, you will love it. And I'm always, I get around episode three and I'm like, I can't do it. It's just not holding me. Um, in comparison with a more modern, t- modern show, I had the same issues with prodigy. Those first two episodes. I'm like, I don't know about this. This is like, it's fun, but it's also annoying. (laughs) (laughs) And if Jane, if they hadn't packaged those first two episodes together so that you get the Starfleet ship and (laughs) hologram Janeway by the end of that second episode, I may have gone, nope, this, this is clearly not a Star Trek for me. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I'm like, Jesus Christ, these kids, these poor kids. <laughs> what other ringer are you going to run them through? Right. Yeah. I. You guys knowing... can, can say as much as you want about the fourth episode. That's on me. And I'll, I'll probably watch it tonight. So. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, and you've probably seen it already before. It It is the, like the, the first two episodes are parts one and two of, and gets out of the iceberg. Um, Katara. Katara is the one that actually frees him in a moment where she's angry and her water, water bending powers cracks open an iceberg. Mm-hmm. That that should be foreshadowing that should be paid attention to, by the way. Yes. <laughs> um, it's quite the moment. Yeah. Um, and by doing so, it alerts uh, this exiled son of the Fire Nation, um, Zuko who also has his own story arc. He's one of the characters that people are like, no, you got to watch the show for Zuko. Fuck Aang. I mean, Aang's great, but also Zuko. Zuko's the person to watch for it. Um, and so it sets up in very kid fashion who the good guy is, who the bad guy is, and the chase that's going to go on. And then the third episode is the one where Aang finally gets to go back home and learns that you can't go home again and that maybe yeah. he should shape up and kind of like, he's still trying to play kid and he's not like he's a hundred, he's a 12 year old kid physically, but he's now 112 years old. I mean, not I that mean, he, he remembers that century. So right. That, yeah. That hundred years does not count towards his maturity level, but the, the thing that he has to, stop trying to avoid is this responsibility that Mm -hmm. he he's had he had placed on him at a too young age right he wasn't even supposed to know that he was the avatar until he was a good deal older the difference between a 12 year old and a 16 year old is pretty big it is Mm -hmm. a big shift in understanding let alone undertaking responsibility so so yeah Um, and then yeah and then the fourth episode is like like aaron was talking about it shows how decisions um that you make and actions that you make have consequences and reactions because they they go to a, a fishing village that he mentions early on because he's like, I want to go ride koi in, in this place, and he does. <laughs> they, they elephant koi, elephant koi should be a real thing. That's yes. amazing, like whale sized koi that you could go out and ride. That would the ten, oh, the ten ton koi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
but like you know seeing this other village and seeing how a completely other part of the the world has been affected by the war by trying to stay out of it and then they're brought into it just by him running around going i want to go here because it's fun maybe that's not the best plan yeah word starts to spread quickly when they when they realize that who this ang is it, mm-hmm. it's you know you even in a place with limited technology, they have ways that uh, the gossip spreads quickly. Oh yeah, very quickly. Nothing spreads like gossip. Yeah, but that—that's also like the episode is also designed to show you to give young viewers. It's like okay, so here's a primer on feminism. Yes, ah. yeah. Episode four definitely does that, and and it's like that's great. That's very straightforward and does all of the things and checks the boxes that it needs to it's like good there's that dave filoni magic yeah and that's that's the thing that i didn't realize until watching things through this time and watching the credits i'm like i saw i saw several (laughs) names that i'm like oh (laughs) dave filoni was one of them the next name that i saw that i went oh was andrea romano yeah. Wait, I don't know that one off the top of my head. Andrea Romano is a voice casting uh, voice casting director that gave us. She started up with, "Here is Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill as your favorite Batman and Joker for the rest of your life." Uh, yeah, she was basically responsible for how the the, the the animated DC world for like twenty years sounded like. Yep. Interesting. And probably had way more influence than just a voice casting director. Yep. You know, like there's a lot of talk about the casting director for the Marvel movies and how she's really helped shape what that looks like by casting the right people. Andrea Romano was doing it with voice casting two yeah. decades before. There's actually um, I can't remember it, so maybe I'll I'll put it in the thread when we post the podcast. There's a documentary all about. I forgot her. It might be the woman who actually does casting for Marvel, Mm. how they have been trying for years to make a casting director either like a can become a member of the director's guild and can win an Academy Award. Mm. And the guild Mm. fights it tooth and nail because they're like. And I, and I, to a point, I get why I guess the term casting director wasn't really created until like the mid 70s. It was just the casting office. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The idea being that, you know, casting directors cannot be auteurs and that, that whole thing. But it's a neat documentary where you see, like, you do see both sides of the argument. Uh, by the end, I fell down on the, you know what, that should be something you get an award for. Because that's an eye for seeing a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm that no one else really has until the movie starts. So Agreed. Yeah. It's, yeah, that should be ostensibly right up there with costume and design, which is an awards category. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and then the uh, one of the other names that I saw in there was, uh, I think it was the opening credits or closing credits or both are done by Titmouse. Oh, shit. All right. Lower Decks. Thank you. It's the animation cool. house yeah, they, for Lower Decks. 
They no, they do a ton of stuff. Yes, they do. But um, like, so knowing that this is the that Avatar: The Last Airbender is not just this well beloved animated series with a huge story arc. It was also a petri dish for a bunch of people to start testing ideas that they then turned into bigger shows. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, another like, can't believe I didn't notice that the four other times I've tried to watch this show, uh, in in regards to casting, May Whitman. Her? I don't know that name. I know that name, but I don't know that name. She is um, probably most famously Anne Egg yeah. in um, Her? Arrested <laughs> Development. Her? Uh, yeah. But she's also in um, Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Uh, she's done a ton of stuff at this point, and she's, she has this very distinctive look. And she's not... Yeah, she does. Um, she always gets cast as this like character who is not like conventionally attractive because because I guess she just has that look like she has that vibe. But she's she's a really like smart and funny actor. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, really quick, that movie that I mentioned is called Casting By, and it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix documentary. Hmm. Okie dokie. Um. Yeah. She is why we have Jack Nicholson in Batman. Hmm. Huh. Wow. And he had, she had to convince him to do it. Um, yeah, no, she's done a lot, a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking at, I'm looking at just her notable films, and there's 20 of them at least. Um, Slaughterhouse Five. Uh, Escape from Alcatraz, Urban Cowboy, The World According to Garp. I think that is who where uh, Glenn Close was discovered. Uh, she put Bette Midler in Highway, Gorillas in the Mist. Like her, her filmography is pretty bonkers, and the movie's primarily about her. Okay, yeah. What's it called again? Casting by. Casting by. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I heard B I, not B Y. I'm like, okay. That's oh, a, yeah. That's right. a different movie. Yeah, it's, that it's is EY. a very different movie. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good start for our Avatar stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about the fourth episode. I distinctly remember that other times we only watched three, so that's where my brain went. But uh, I'll check out that last one. I'll get cut up and you know just caught up anyway. Uh, but then next week we'll have another arc to discuss. Mm-hmm. And presumably um, it'll be a little bit more interesting than this one because I think the the general consensus is episodes one through three, baby show for babies. <laughs> Episode four, still a show for the wee ones, but now we're going places. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was first. just gonna say with our last couple minutes, I do want to go through these names that the uh, the gang has suggested here, the listeners. <laughs> Uh, what I was going to say is that in our planning document, uh, I looked at the episodes mm-hmm. uh, as they fall and grouped them in ways so that it, it, like we don't get part one of a two-parter at the end of one block and uh, the part two of the the episode in the second block. So that's why I mean, they're... You've already bracketed us by the arcs. Exactly. 
Thank you for doing that that research. Yeah, that helps a lot. Wikipedia. I was just going to watch one too many episodes and be like, Which okay, I monthly this donate to. Now. Yeah. We. Okay, so uh, possible names for this segment moving forward. Bending the city. <laughs> yeah. Air bending a fresh biscuit. No, no. I don't know what that means, and I don't think I want to. Farts. God damn it. Uh, our Appa Indians on Avatar. Bending the tea with Bean. But then that gives me all the credit, and that's not fair. I, I think the Appa Pinions might. There's something there, maybe. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's really the ones you like, guys. I'm just reading now. Mm-hmm. Earth, Wind, and Fire Nation. That's also good. That's pretty good. It's good to keep segments just one or two words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we're getting now. We're really stretching, stretching out the possibilities here. Mm-hmm. Friends, Romans, countrymen, bend me your airs. No, not absolutely that. not. No, uh, bending the streams, the last Airbender saga. I kind of like that one, but still a little long. Very long. How is it hanging? <laughs> Dang the Yas Airbender. No, no. Uh, a vote for how's it hanging? The bench element, which is too hard to say. Yes, that's too hard. Bending with baller is the avatar affair. Also, not that one. Uh, uh, bend low, that's too long. No. Although you, someone should sing it, though. No, no. Come on, you okay. do it. No, mm-hmm. I can't do the voice. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a that's a low, manly voice. <laughs> Zuko's modern life. Okay. That would have made uh, me smile, but uh Sam Worthington's not in this one. No. Tenton Koi is the name of Norm's all banjo heavy metal tribute band. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right. It tracks. Although Ten Koi has a nice ring to it. What's the one? Appa Pinions? What was that one? Oh, God. Go back. Now I gotta go back. Now I gotta go back. Our Appa Pinions on... On Avatar. On Avatar. Appa Pinions is kind of... That one sounds I, pretty good. Just, just Appa Pinions. Pinions. Just yeah. Appa Pinions. Yeah that's, that's yeah, the, that's the real sweet spot there. Also, Appa is played by D. Bradley Baker. Yay! Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we've, we've come around full circle many times today. Mm-hmm. That's I, yeah, that's true. Uh, I will give uh, "How's It Anging" um, notable mention. Yeah, I, I think that would be that's my that would be my second choice. Yeah, I think "Op Opinions" kind of kind of yeah. squeaks past that one though. And I just like Zuko's Modern Life. Both of those uh, are from um, Bex, I believe. Bex is the Deal Warlock, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh. Well, we don't and have she's... to decide right now. We can we can keep the listeners in suspense. I think. Yeah, that works. We do that every week. <gasps> That's true. Spoilers, um, guys. We keep ourselves in suspense usually until a couple days before the show. Not anymore. <laughs> That's true. Not we, anymore. We have spreadsheets and Google Docs and shit. We we do, which we should talk about. Considering we've got we've got some stuff next week. We got lots uh, of stuff. Yes. It's going to be a busy episode. Yeah. Um... 
next week we're gonna mm-hmm. have on um just writer and speaker and translator david bowles uh to talk about his new horror podcast the obsidian codex and uh, specifically it's yeah it's a horror fiction podcast it's not talking about horror it is yes a, an original work of fiction which yeah which he will I be drawing up he will Sorry. be drawing a lot upon pre-colonial uh mexican culture and myths uh that's kind of his jam i'm um, excited i've already subscribed on stitcher yeah me too uh i <laughs> met him I back, back in, on stitcher now yeah I met him back in 2018 at the Mexiconics Initiative. That's how we first met. Oh, that's right. Nice. Um, yeah. And he is, uh, has been also helped me out with certain translations on Season of the Bruja that mm. will make far more sense uh, around uh, issue three. <laughs> uh, so he's been helping me out with that. And he's just a really nice guy. And when he gets here, we'll talk about some of his other work that he has. He's incredibly prolific. Um. And then we're also going to play the interview. Yes. Yes. yes we, we have an, can we say who it's with? Yes, we can. Let me, gosh, dang it. Uh, I had just gotten closed the page for her. So we will be, I had a chance to interview actually full disclosure. That'll be pre-recorded, but I had a chance to interview writer and director Leanne Kerr. Uh, mm-hmm. She is the writer and director of the uh, forthcoming horror flick student body which you can pre-order right now it comes out february 7th um hmm? it comes out on the 8th it comes out on the 8th it comes out on the same day that we're that we're having the interview i'm confusing it because any review or interview embargo is lifted on the 7th that's correct where my brain went (laughs) um so yeah that's kind of like you can look it up uh, put in student body 2022 film because i do believe there's a horror film from the 80s with the same name Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, it's not that body. one. Student bodies. It is correct in in the eighties. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll have an interview with her. It's about a fifteen minute interview. It was pretty cool chatting her up. So yeah, uh, guests galore next week. Mm-hmm. And then we will do episodes, um, f- uh, first season episodes five through eight of Avatar. Mm-hmm. And uh, if there is still time, I think we will get to another commentary. Right, yeah, and don't worry, we haven't forgot about like all the Trek and Star Wars out there, but we're we're playing around in February. We so. we can't we can't keep giving you the same thing all the time. Yeah, we that's what to, I mean. We, yeah, we want to make it inter- interesting. Yeah, that's the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, two more. Oh no, I guess we're rescinding one for the other. One more entry. Always angry. Hmm. Mm, yeah. But I thought that the previous version, getting angry, was just as good. There was also anger management. Oh, that was the other one. Thank you. (laughs) I got lost on my page. Uh, While we're also crowdsourcing, uh, while we're crowdsourcing names, there is another thing that we wanted to crowdsource. Um, We have some... We want to do some commentaries. And we want to crowdsource what movies you want us to do commentaries on. Yes. Um, I think we needed... Oh, I have this down. I think we wanted to do at least one sci-fi, one fantasy, and one horror. And I don't remember what the fourth one was. Other I than think maybe... the fourth one might have actually been a rom-com. Oh, okay. 
Yeah. Um, and like, we're asking people not to pick like, I mean, submit whatever you want, but I know we're trying to do something like a little different. Yep. Um, what other genres do you want it again? So we want one sci-fi movie, one fantasy movie, one horror movie, and one rom-com that isn't going to be one of the ones that we are already doing. Right. Uh, and yeah, just start sending your suggestions to like wherever. I mean, you can always email gitcradio at gmail.com. That would or... be the best place to send it. Yeah, that way we can keep track of them. And we can um, see them. Yeah. Yeah, that's the best way to go. What? Beans out. Boom. <laughs> I guess so. She's like, I fucking had it. It's 8 o'clock. I'm out. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I, I'm, it's cool. Put them in the chat here. But seriously, like, uh, email us. Um, preferably not something super new. So I would kind of discredit Dennis Villeneuve's Dune already. Not because I didn't think it was fantastic. Um, but I think half the fun is when we get like, not obscure, but maybe a movie that no one's really thought about in a while. So stuff like that. Um, Flight of Dragons. What is Flight of Dragons? I don't know. I don't either. I'll look that up, Bex. But yeah, the reason we want to do this is so that we can have a month of commentaries as the show. Yeah. Yeah, we're planning that for later in the year. Just mm -hmm. a whole month of commentaries on the show. Um, and yeah, everyone you're putting in the chat, that's great. Uh, email them to us because that chat disappears the moment the show ends. I mean, I guess I can go to the Twitch page and look at it, but... Emails are cool because that way we all see it and keep track of it. In, engage with us, listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dragon oh Slayer could be fun. Oh my god, that movie's a trip. This looks awful. Dragon Slayer? No. Oh, Flight cool. of Dragons. Although it has James Earl Jones, Harry Morgan, John Ritter, and Larry Storch. <laughs> flight of dragons not the flight the flight of dragons yeah the flight of dragons yeah oh, it's flight. an animated okay. movie oh it's a oh, Rankin oh, bass oh, this is what i'm looking for Ooh. yeah it looks bad Woo. oh but yeah it, it like looks a... like a knockoff merlin on the cover yep or what uh, is that what it's called knockoff sword in the stone Sword, thank you. The sword yeah. is done. Mm -hmm. Which is Merlin. Oh my god, those, those rank and bass stuff are just terrifying. Mm -hmm. It's the animation of nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So again, yeah, maybe. Who knows? Listeners again. in the chat, listeners to the podcast, email us. Yes. radio at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Yep. There you go. The GITC stands for Geek in the City. Yes, it does. In case anyone wasn't clear on that. And if you accidentally send it to my personal one, I'll just forward it to GITCradio at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. But that's so clunky. If you send it to mine, that's going to be really weird because I don't think most of you know my email address. <laughs> <laughs> I do, but I'm not telling. <laughs> it's not a Actually, secret. Google remembers that I know your email address. I don't know your email address. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because it's not my name. Right. 
Mine uh, is, but don't email me there. I won't see it for weeks. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, that's a good place. Uh, I'm Aaron Duran. I'm Benarita. And I'm Cable Hashtani. And we will talk to everyone next week. Have a have a week. Happy Lunar New Year. Yeah, happy year. Or, yeah, tiger, right? Year of the tiger. Water tiger. Water tiger. Ha. Bye, everybody. <laughs>